Let's begin with a word of prayer. My prayer this morning, Father, is a simple one, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. Our nation has a lot of stupid laws. For example, in North Dakota, beer and pretzels cannot be served at the same time in any bar or restaurant. In Alaska, it is illegal to push a live moose out of a moving plane. In Florida, if an elephant is left tied to a parking meter, the parking fee has to be paid just as it would for a vehicle. And certainly, perhaps one of the more bizarre, in Alabama, it is illegal for a driver to be blindfolded while driving a vehicle. And did you know that it's illegal to walk down Main Street in Fort Capel, Saskatchewan, Canada, with your shoes untied? Here's a couple more. In Florida, it is illegal for a woman who is single, divorced, or widowed to parachute out of a plane on a Sunday afternoon. I know, I didn't make these up. In Amarillo, Texas, it's against the law to take a bath on Main Street during banking hours. In Portland, Oregon, it's illegal to wear roller skates in public restrooms. And lastly, and in St. Louis, there used to be a law that if your automobile spooked a horse, you had to hide the car. And if hiding didn't work, you had to dismantle it until the horse calmed down. The thing about laws is that one time they made perfect sense to someone. If you're listening to Jesus, his answer is not about the law. It's about love. And I haven't figured out a good name for this sermon yet, but if, if I were looking, that could be one. It's about the love and not about the law. Now, we've talked about this before. In Greek, love is a noun, a verb, and a participle. You can give love, you can be in love, and you can be a loving person. And in both of the uh, verses that Jesus, the commandments that Jesus shared with us today, it's the word agape, and you've heard about that. I don't need to beat that horse anymore, especially if my car spooked him. But agape means unconditional love. You love in spite of what the other person does or says or who they are. But the new twist here for me is not the love, it's the word all. And in the Greek, that word is Oles, H-O-L-E-S. If you spell that out, you'll see that it spells the word whole. Love God with your whole heart and your whole soul and your whole mind and your whole strength. And the image I get in my mind is if you've ever watched the marathons, like the New York Marathon or the Boston Marathon, and the person has given their entire all just to get to the finish line. And when they cross it, what do they do? They collapse. Why? Because they have spent everything they had, all of their energy, all of their um, stick to I mean, 26 and a half miles is a long way to run. It's a long way to walk. It's a long way to drive. And yet they choose to make that race part of their day and then they collapse. And what Jesus is saying is, do you love me enough 
to give me your all. Well, what does that look like for us? Well, we all have time, don't we? If you were to make a chart of your time, and I remember back in the 80s when I took um, management classes when I worked for AT&T, they had us draw a 24-hour clock. And we had to put in the clock like a pie. How long did we sleep? And how long did we work? How long did we spend time with the family? Well, God says that 24-hour clock needs to be devoted to me. I am not saying quit your job. But I am saying that working in a way that demonstrates the love you have for God will make you a better employee and a better witness. The time you spend with your children or your grandchildren or your neighbors, if you do it as a person who loves God, will improve the relationships you have with your children, your grandchildren, your family, and your neighbors. The first resource I think Jesus really wants us to look at is time. This morning during the Alpha Group, we were talking about addictions, and I said some people are addicted to Netflix. And uh, there was uh, an awkward chuckle, and one person gave me a heavy nod up and down. And I'll tell you, 20 years ago, there was no such phrase as Netflix and chill. But there are some people who literally plan their weekends to get home from work on Friday and watch their way all the way through all the episodes of The Office or whatever show you pick. And Jesus is saying, we need to stop and look at how we spend our time. But just like in this children's sermon, I wish he would give us more information, but your time is your time and you get to spend it the way you want to. Jesus says, will you spend it for me? The second thing that we all have, or we wish we had more of, is money. How do you spend your money? I love the bumper sticker that says, the one who dies with the most toys wins. And I'll I'll be honest, I am a collector of toys. I like gadgets. Uh, Sometimes that's what comes to my house from Amazon. and, And my beautiful wife just rolls her eyes at me. And then I say politely, how many pairs of shoes do you own? But we all have time to spend and money to spend. And if we were going to make another chart, a pie chart of how you spend your money, of course I want you to pay your mortgage. Of course I want you to make your car payments and your insurance and all the responsibilities you have. But that leftover, that extra, where does that go? Does it go to support the kingdom of God? Or does it go to support your Netflix habit? This is not a tithing sermon. This is an all sermon. Effort. Not only do we have to look at spending our time, but we have to look at spending our effort. I I don't exactly remember what it was yesterday, but I was prone on the sofa. I had a really busy week. All my chores were done, my sermon was written, Vicky was baking uh, keto-friendly pumpkin cookies with cream cheese and cinnamon icing, totally her bailiwick, I stay out of the kitchen for that, and I was watching a show on uh, TV, and she needed something, and the last thing I wanted to do 
was get out of my nice, comfortable, prone position. I had the pillow in just the right spot. Our new sofa fits me perfectly from head to toe. I don't have to scrunch in. It's, it's like almost exactly my height. It was perfect. But I love Vicky. So what I have to do? I made that old man noise because no man my age likes to get out of the sofa. I said. And I went and ran the errand she needed me to run. And then I laid back down. Sometimes, friends... We don't want to put in the effort to build the kingdom of God. I want you to hear that. The kingdom of God is not just Sunday morning from 11 to 12, or if you come for adult Sunday school from 9.30 to 12. The kingdom of God needs to be built 24-7. And are we putting in the effort? Or I worked at one church that literally told me, That's what we pay you for. It is your job to build the kingdom and we'll come and watch you do it. That's not how the body of Christ works. How are you spending your time? How are you spending your money? And how much effort are you putting in? And I want you to hear this last one. Because Jesus said, with all your heart. When you think about the church, when you think about the kingdom of God, when you think about this wonderful mission to which we've been called and invited. What feeling do you get? What emotion does it arouse in your heart? Are you a person who gets out of bed in the morning and says, good morning, God, let's build the kingdom? Or are you the person who gets out of bed and says, good God, it's morning. I can't talk to anybody until I have my coffee. Do you start your day looking for the direction God has set for you with excitement and with purpose, and with vision? Or are you just lackadaisically going through life, doing the things you're supposed to do and should do, without looking for that joy that comes from serving God? Now, I want you to hear this. Jesus said it was a command and not a law. So you got to follow a law. If you go on 295 and it's posted at 65 and you're going 75, the policeman is going to pull you over and write you a ticket. Why? Because you broke the law. A command is a little bit different. Jesus says, this is what I need you to do. But there's no policeman following us around with a ticket book. Well, I don't think you spent that time wisely, Madison. Here's a spiritual ticket. They're not there. A command, believe it or not, is something that we can choose to follow or not follow. I remember hearing one speaker once who was uh, doing the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, and he said, we are not called to be fruit inspectors. We are not to look at anybody else's fruit. We're only supposed to look at ours. How do you hear the command of Jesus? And what are you doing about that? You know me, I'm the musician, and as soon as I hear this talk of love, I hear of two in particular. One is from the musical Carnival, where Robert Merrill sings, love makes the world go round. That's what Jesus is saying. If we were loving to everyone, 
And we showed them and we demonstrated to them the unconditional love of God. The world would be a different place. And the other one I love is um, Freddie sings it to Eliza in My Fair Lady. At the end of the musical, she's in love with Professor, his name just one of Rex Harrison plays it. Say it again. Higgins, thank you. Henry Higgins, thank you. And, and he has, she and he, she and he have had a fight. She's left. And Freddie, the young tenor who has followed her around for the entire show, and she sing a duet. And it's called, Don't Say You Love Me, Show Me. Well, that's what Jesus is saying. If you love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, the one right after it is love your neighbor as yourself. It has to be a demonstrative love. This is one of those difficult weeks where my work schedule and Vicky's didn't line up. And I saw her Tuesday morning. She opened one eye and kissed me goodbye. And then I saw her Thursday night. You know what? That is too long to not see the person you love. It is too long not to give him a hug and look him right in the eye and say, I love you. And, and perhaps, as my grandson says, smoochy smooch. <laughs> too long. And yet some of us have not been loving to our, our neighbors. The world is starving for the love that the church has to offer. Some people think saying I love you is love. It isn't. Some people that saying just sacrificing is love. It isn't. Some people say sharing another person's burden, burden is love. Sometimes hugging. I've been to churches where during the uh, passing of the peace, I want to stand up and say all fellowship must now stop. All they're doing is hugging each other. That's not love. Love is my favorite answer. D. All of the above. They may be truisms, but they're not the truth. Our love for God must be demonstrated in our human relationships, in our communities, with our neighbors, with our family, with our friends, and with strangers. There's a young man who didn't know that when he first got married. He had to be taught. He said to his wife, I love you. He felt it and he believed it, but he didn't do anything about it. He dropped dirty socks on the floor and said, honey, I love you. He promised to cook dinner, but arrived home an hour late. He apologized with the words, I love you. He promised to balance the checkbook, but never got around to it until three or four checks bounced. And then he expressed, expressed his regrets with, I love you. One day his wife said, you must stop saying that you love me. And he complained, I do love you. I feel it. I say it. I think it. She said, no. If you loved me, you would do something about it. You would keep your part of this relationship. And she was right. Because she knew the full shape of love. To love God with all our strength is to keep our relationship, to keep our part of the relationship that God established. Hear this. We are called to do the tasks which God made possible for us to do. In this text, that kind of love is a love that can be commanded. Not commanded out of authority, not commanded out of anger, but commanded out of 
relationship. God calls us to be active in our love. I cannot tell you how to find your all. I'd just be adding another law to the list, and now there would be 614. I cannot tell you what is keeping you from giving your all. That's between you and God. I can tell you that when you give your all, God will work through you. God will grow you. And the world, even just your little corner of the world, will become a part of the kingdom. Jesus commands us to give our all to God, our all for God, and our all in God's name. Will you give your all for Jesus? Amen.